The Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jewish people. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the dominion of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to Jesus, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the dominion of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to Jesus, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world in this way, that God gave the Son, the only begotten one, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. In the name of our triune God. Amen. Giving you fair warning for those back in person and even those at home. This sermon requires audience participation, okay? Are there any royal family fans out there? As in Her Majesty the Queen of England and her whole entourage? Yes? No? Okay, good. Thank you for your confessions, for your honesty. Are you excited to follow uh, all of their royal happenings or the drama that comes with it? Maybe not so many people willing to raise their hands this time, right? I have to admit... I'm really not one of those people, but still couldn't help notice all the buzz they seem to get, especially a few years ago when Meghan Markle and Prince Harry got married. Did anybody watch the ceremony? Maybe later, maybe not live, yeah. (laughs) And now it seems they've garnered even more attention in the past year when they resigned from their royal family duties and escaped, I mean, moved to Los Angeles, California. But I don't want to get caught up in the drama of the royal family. Today is about getting caught up in the drama 
of the Holy Trinity. So why, Pastor Kyle, did you bring up the royal family? Well, it was because of the wedding sermon that was shared by the Episcopal Bishop Michael Curry at Meghan and Harry's wedding all those years ago. If you haven't heard it, be sure to YouTube it after worship today. Bishop Curry gave a really moving homily that spoke to the power of love. No surprise, it's a wedding after all, right? But it wasn't the typical and sappy romantic love that you'd expect for a wedding, but rather it painted uh, a really hidden and powerful love that in reality remains a mystery to us in this world. We think we know love because of the relationships we have, the relationships that we have had, but we really don't fully understand this. And we know this to be true because of how much hate and violence still occupy the hearts of so many in this world. This is Holy Trinity Sunday in the liturgical year when we celebrate the powerful and yet mysterious and yet even so dramatic Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the one in three, the three in one. And today's Gospel from John, although it has a quite familiar and easily understood verse, John 3.16, that so many know, the whole passage itself paints a quite mysterious and powerful definition of love according to God's actions through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. It's the mysterious workings of the Holy Spirit that make us these born-from-above people who only after that experience are able to understand and embrace the love that comes from our relationship with our triune God. This is how the work of each member of the Trinity together as one work and celebrate their relationship with the created world. Yet evil and sin still get in the way of the Trinity's work. We see it in very minor ways and in major ways in the world. But even in our gospel today, we see it in a way that is both minor and major in the story of Nicodemus and his interrogation of Jesus, if we can call it that. But perhaps you've never considered who Nicodemus was and how he came to Jesus for answers. You see, old Nicodemus belonged to the Sanhedrin, which was the oldest tradition and authority for Jewish officials at the time. It's easy to read his questions of Jesus in a critical way if you assume that he's there on official business and not so subtly trying to supplant Jesus and his authority. Yet the first verse makes clear that Nicodemus came in the cover of night, in dark, in hiding, in secret. Perhaps he came out of curiosity and a spirit-led desire to understand and to believe Jesus' message about God's kingdom having arrived in him and his role as the prophesied Messiah. All in all, it doesn't take much to understand that Nicodemus took a risk coming to see Jesus. Coming from a place of authority was, in a way, an attempt to abdicate or to give up his seat of power simply by bearing his vulnerable curiosity about believing Jesus and who he said he was.
But Nicodemus still struggled to understand this reality, to understand this love, the same way so many people, Christian or not, do today. Because it's the theory of atonement that is difficult for us to grasp. That even though sin and evil were doing their parts to separate us from God and our relationship, to make it irreconcilable, it was reconciled. It was made one again. Atonement is the act of bringing what was divided or threatened together again at one mint, bringing it together as one. And there was a price paid to make that relationship right again, but we didn't have to pay it either. God paid it God's self. By the death of his own son of God's self, here is where we get into this confusing language of Trinitarian theology. Because the fact that we don't have anything to pay is the first confusing part of understanding our role, our relationship with the Trinity. The Father could give his only Son for such a price through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is an unfathomable idea. There is a love greater than a father has for his son? I have three sons. Really? I can't understand. And thank goodness I don't need to. All I have to do is embrace the mystery of it and try to make myself a better person, not for my own well-being, but for the sake of others. Telling others about this mysterious love has the power to change the world. The power to, to change the world through something we don't fully understand seems like a paradox, but to me is something so liberating. My favorite part of Bishop Curry's sermon at the royal wedding a few years ago came with how he began and ended it, and I want to share that with you now. He quoted the late Dr. Martin Luther King as once saying, We must discover the power of love, the redemptive power of love. And when we do that, we will make, this, make of this old world a new world. And love is the only way. There's power in love, and we cannot underestimate it. We can't over-sentimentalize it either, but there's power in love. The whole world seems to center around this idea of love. It should. And there's power, power in love, not just in romantic forms, but any form, any shape of love. Because love is not selfish, it is not self-centered. Love can be sacrificial, and in doing so, be redemptive. That way of unselfish, sacrificial, redemptive love changes lives, and it can change the world. If you don't believe me, just stop and think and imagine. Think and imagine of a world where love is the way, the only way. Imagine our homes and our families when love is the only way. Imagine our neighborhoods and our communities where love is the way. Imagine governments and nations where love is the only way. Imagine business and commerce where love is the way. When love is the way, unselfish, sacrificial, redemptive, when love is the way, then no child will go to bed hungry in this world ever again. 
When love is the way, we will let justice roll down like a mighty stream and righteousness like an ever-flowing brook. When love is the way, poverty will become history. When love is the way, the earth will be a sanctuary. When love is the way, we will lay down our swords and shields and study war no more. And when, there's, when love is the way, there's plenty good room for all God's children because when love is the way, we actually treat each other well, like we are the family God created us to be. When love is the way, we know that God is the source of us all and we are brothers and sisters, children of God. That is the new heaven, the new earth, the new world, the new human family. Let me tell you something. Old Solomon was right in the Old Testament that there's fire. With this, there was a French Jesuit who was once uh, one of the great minds of the 20th century. A Roman Catholic priest, a scientist, a scholar, and a mystic. And he wrote some great writings into the scientific background of existence, but also some theological ones. And in his research and his writings, he talked about the discovery and the invention of fire, much like Solomon did. One of the greatest scientific and technological discoveries in all of human history. Because fire, to a great extent, made human civilization possible. Fire made it possible to cook with food and to provide sanitary ways of eating, which reduced the spread of disease Fire made it possible to heat warm environments and thereby make human migration around the world possible. Fire made it possible. There is, with, without fire, there is nothing like the Bronze Age. There's no Iron Age. There's no Industrial Revolution. When you think about it, one of the greatest inventions and discoveries ever. Fire is one of the greatest discoveries because of the way that it brought us together. The way that it forces us to rely on each other and to share with the world this technology. In the same way, we must discover love. Truly discover it and live it out and share it with the world the same way that fire was from the beginning. The redemptive power of love, when we do that, will make this old world a new world, as Bishop Curry said. So I am thankful to Bishop Curry for this important message, not just for the royal couple, but for the world to hear and to strive for. So come, Holy Spirit, and help us discover the power of love as you embodied in Jesus and sacrificed in his death, in your death, that overcame sin and evil. Thanks be to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.